Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills! The start of week four of the National Football League. I love it. Love it. Lions and Packers. Pretty good game tonight. You know, it's going to tell us a little bit about both teams, right? I love it. Um, I'm not really sure if the Lions are real yet. And I really don't know what to think of the Packers. I mean, we're, we're getting into the month of the season now, and I'm still not sure who these two teams are, right? So this will tell us a little bit about both teams. Are the Lions really a playoff team? All right. Hey, by the way, Joe Theismann will be with us, a former NFL MVP, will be with us at 4.30 Eastern time. Hey, I want to start the show off, as we always do throughout the week with our great friends with Hooters. My guy Tone will show you a code word throughout the program. All you have to do is identify that code word. Then you email us all your information. And what we do is we put you in rotation. And on a football Monday, we will name your name if you are the winners. All we need to do is have you send it to show at gmail.com. Simple as that. The code word. And we'll randomly pick some winners on a football Monday like Patrick and Edgardo. And maybe you can be a winner as well to get those gift certificates from our friends at Hooters. It's been a grand slam to say the least. All right. We have to rename this tush push thing. We, we do. And believe it, I turned to somebody in my family, which is my aunt, the bro- the brotherly love shove. How do you like that? The brotherly love shove. By the way, I'm going to ask Joe Theismann what he thinks of the tush push. Okay? The brotherly shove? And maybe Philadelphia. Hey, the brotherly love shove. I mean, it. hey, you're sending good vibes out. Everybody knows it's brotherly. It's Philly. Tush push is better. What a weirdo. Tush push does not represent. Philadelphia. Okay? Senor goes, brotherly shove is shorter. Yeah, it's like International House of Pancakes, right? That's why you cut it down to IHOP. I got it. Okay? <laughs> uh, the bum scrum? Yeah, no, because then I think of the... Then I think of Mark Sanchez... With bum scrum for some reason. I don't know. Mark Sanchez's name pops up. Okay? I mean, nah, I don't know. The brotherly shove. Okay, I mean, brotherly love shove. 
I think Philadelphians probably don't like the word love. <laughs> hey, that's hey, that's probably it, right? Right, Tone? You don't you like brotherly shove, but love, you know, you know, just, I don't know if that's really a lot to do with Philly there, man. The brotherly shove is perfect. Tush push is cringy as hell. It sure is, man. Hey, Jason Cole said that's something that would be in the playbook with Kyle Shanahan. I didn't say that. Go back and look at the tape. Okay? Go back and look at the tape. I I never said that. Okay? That didn't come from me. I got to clarify some things here. So, like, James, I love you, our IT guy, Tone and these guys. They are fabulous teasers. And what I mean by that, these guys put up sound bites or, or Tone sends over a sound bite. James posts them over on our Twitter page. This guy's saying Sam Howell's better than Jalen Hurts. I never at once said that. I said he's playing the same ball. Statistically, a Sam Howell. Not at any time did I say, hey, you know what? I'll take Jay- I- I'll take Sam Howell over Jalen Hurts. Come on, man. I never said that. I never said that. But one clip from James, this guy's a moron. He would take, I never said that. I never, at- I said Jalen Hurts is playing Sam Howell ball. His numbers have played out that way so far this year. Will they continue? Probably not. Probably not. By the way, I, I CZ, and I heard Rob today talk about kill the quarterback. I, I, I heard Rob say that, okay? As much as that Sam Howell topic burned me up, the reality is you never said how was better than Hurts. I never at any time. You just compared their numbers. That's it. Nothing more or less. It Woo, look at look at Tone coming out of his shell there a little more. As much as that burned me up as it did many of you. Jalen's playing down here. This guy is where he This guy may never get better than this. You see Jalen up here. So no one made that reference that you've seen Jalen at the top here, right? You've never seen that guy up here. Maybe the Cowboy game last year, but that's not enough of a sample size to sit there and go, that guy's great. Okay? Now, look, I want to say this about Sims. Because if you've ever seen my rant about the University of Miami, I said something like, in the middle of the rant, I said something like, kick him in the balls, gouge his eyes out, stick him with the knife. And people got upset with that. Did you really think, or like or like my bounty thing that I tweeted out one time, do you really think that I believe that? Do you really think that that's how football players talk? That's all he's doing. It's not over the line. It's just how certain people talk. You see, you got to remember something when you're an athlete. And this is where the broadcaster guys don't like people like me. 
Because you know why? They would never talk like that. That's because they've never been in a locker room. That's what aggravates them. They've never been in a locker room where guys talk like that and don't mean it. So at the end of the day, you don't really believe that Chris Sims said kill hurts. He meant that every guy in the locker room, and by the way, when players are in the locker room, I'm going to kill that guy. Hey, when I see Sam Howell on the field on Sunday, I'm going to kill that guy. It's not a literal statement unless you're mentally ill, okay? I'm always hot and cold about Sims, but I won't jump out the window on him, on his comment. He just kept it real. Everybody's not built for those type of talks. That's right, man. That's exactly right. You got the professional broadcaster who thinks that's over the line. Hey, and that's an opinion. But I never at once took anything that Chris Sims said where he said, hey, you got to take him out. You got to kill that guy. Where I really thought that Chris Sims was talking about somebody murdering him. Who in their right mind thinks that? But some maniac, um, some maniac liberal thinks that. I can't believe he's talking like that. I can't believe it. (laughs) Relax. It's a figure of speech. That's all it is. Now, He's just telling you the truth. Are you under the impression that people aren't saying this every single Sunday about Hurts? We got to kill that guy. We got to get that guy off the field any means necessary. You see, I get it. You can't, hey, and this is why, and this is what's always happened to me. Okay? This is what's always happened to me. I got to always remember, not every one of you out there can handle being talked to like a coach would talk to me. Or how people talk in the locker room. It's a different environment and different community. 90% of you are not built for it. You're just not. Just in our daily conversations, you're not built for it. You can't be spoken to like that. Okay? And that also doesn't help. He's a giant guy. He's not really a giant guy, but I get it because of his own man. I get it. Okay? I get it. Right? Okay? Hey. Now, now his criticism towards Hurts probably is what aggravates you the most. And what he says about Jalen aggravates you more than the killing comment. Okay? How many coaches say, go, go hunting, guys? Tons. Every coach I've ever had. Every coach I've ever had. Hey, we got to get that guy. We, 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 we have got to get Montana off the field. Hit that guy any means necessary. You've got to hit him with a chair. Here, watch this. You know what guys would do? Hey, if I have to hit him with a chair on the sidelines, I'm going to. Some of you probably are going, what? You don't really believe that, do you? Man. <laughs> it, 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 it's about building your anger up for a dude. NFL football and football's played with anger. Do you think you go out there and there's some sort of debate? You got to get yourself in a lather and you've got to want to murder people mentally, not figuratively. It's a hand to hand combat sport. Nobody goes into games going, Hey, everybody, how you doing, buddy? 
I doing, Trevor? I mean, now, hey, Jay Rule with a pistol. We're not there. That's not going to work. That ain't going to work. But don't take people's um, speeches as actualities here. Nobody's looking to murder anybody. It's just the way guys talk. Football people talk like that. Oh, I know. That's why they're cavemen. (laughs) That's why they don't belong on the air. I know. The problem with today's fan is we want to take the gladiator mentality out of the gladiator. But we want guys to play hard and give their all. We can't have it both ways. Football is not a gentleman's game. It's a caveman's game. You think gladiators go into the arena wanting to kiss their opponent? Queensberry rules. Congratulations to you. Let's have a fair fight. I don't want a fair fight. If I have to kill you, I will. He said kill you. (laughs) It's a figure. It's a figure of speech. It's a mentality. Don't get sideways on it. I mean, mean, seriously. See, when you you say something about a guy throwing up to you, I think it was Devontae Freeman who, or Devontae Foreman who did that. And I I tweeted something. I I know I shouldn't have. I'll give a hurricane a thousand bucks to take that guy out. You didn't really believe that, did you? But some did. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm sitting in my underwear. I was. When I threw that out, On Twitter, I was sitting literally in my underwear watching Sunday football. My wife was next to me, and I was eating eggs with a bagel. Awful visual? Probably so, JM. (laughs) Okay. Hey, if anyone's eating right now, I apologize. Okay? Okay, hey, by the way, I'm going to get into some topics here in a second here. Okay, we're going to get to the topics here. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I want to talk about Brock Purdy for a second. But the brotherly shove, you know what they're saying about it? It's not a football. It's not a football play. I can't think of a more of a football play than the brotherly shove. Do you actually think a field goal is a football play? Do do you think a field goal is a football play? I don't. That's not a football play. Okay? That is maybe the quintessential definition of a football play. Strength versus strength. Athleticism versus athleticism. Strategy versus strategy. Old roots football. The foundation of the NFL and football in America is that one play. Football derived from rugby. 
That is a historical play, if anything. That defines football, that play. The passing game doesn't define pro football. That eagle play defines pro football. You can't have a more historical play than the brotherly shove. You can't. You cannot have more of a defining play that defines football than that play. Field goals? Punting? Give me a break. I could do without all of those plays. That defines what football is. And, And you know what makes it even more troubling to others? is that not everyone can do it. So there's a skill to it. You know, if everyone, here's when you know a play's illegal. When everyone's doing it and succeeding at it. I would say 80% of the teams or 85% of the people that try that don't succeed with it. The Eagles have a play that they're very successful at. You can't get any more of a play that defines what professional football is than what the Eagles do with that brotherly shove. Can't. See, I like, this This goes back to the previous comments. See, I like boxing and football because the stakes are higher. The passion and sacrifice required to succeed is enormous. You can't even quantify it. When I see someone that's willing to die for something, it just stokes my fire sills. That's right. When you're willing to put your ass on the line for something and you're willing to sacrifice bodies, parts, your limbs. I've had almost every part of my body broken. My jaw, my arms, both my knees, my feet. Every finger's been broken. My back. I don't have normal night's sleep. Okay? I don't sleep longer than three hours at one time. I'll do it again. I'd do it again. All right. You're going to... You may like this or not. Here we go. You may like this or not. I don't know if it was preseason or week one, but we saw Steichen and the Colts try to replicate the Eagles' QB sneak, and it still couldn't... They still couldn't do it. Even Anthony Richardson who's a bigger dude than Jalen. Dude, I saw college guys trying to do that play and fail crazy at a high rate. Here we go, Trev. How many people believe that Brock Purdy is the real deal? Perfect fan base to talk to because you guys think Jalen Hurts is the real deal after one great year. How many people think that Brock Purdy is the real deal? Joseph says, not me. Haven't seen enough significant games. You didn't see the playoff game he won against the Cowboys? You guys lose to the Cowboys. He beat them in the playoffs. You didn't see that? I'll refresh your memory here in a minute. 
Need to see more. I don't. I'm not even going to front or BS you, Sills. I'm starting to think he's legit, and I hate to say it. Let's take this into context. Now, you got to remember something here. When I make this comparison, errors are different. Completion percentages are different. So I know it was a different NFL. Okay? But let's make a comparison. Who's the greatest quarterback in the history of the San Francisco 49ers? Let's think. Oh, wait. I really don't have to. It's Joe Montana. Four Super Bowls, no losses, 135 quarterback rating, destroyed quarterbacks like Marino and Elway, Esiason, Ken Anderson, couple Hall of Famers, couple borderline Hall of Famers. Montana, right? All right. Brock Purdy's first eight regular season starts. Purdy, eight, no. Montana, two and six. Completion percentage. Brock Purdy, 67.9. Almost 70% of his passes. Montana, 63-4. Different league. Passing yards. Wow. 1834 for Purdy. 1322 for Montana. Total touchdown to interceptions. Purdy 17, two picks. Montana, 11 touchdowns and six INTs. Passer rating. Brock Purdy, 113.6. Passer rating for Montana, 83-1. And today, Brian Baldinger said, I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to Joe Montana. But he has a lot of the same traits that Montana has. And how he gets the ball out of his hand his quick decision-making, and he is a lot like what Joe was. That's pretty high praise from a guy who evaluates all the players in the league on a daily basis. He's showing you the same characteristics of Joe Montana with Brock Purdy. That's pretty high praise. I take Brian's word, and I have a lot of validity to it, with the fact that I know he's been right on a lot of things. You can't, he's not comparing anything when it comes to results yet. He's saying he's got a better start. Now, I would say this too. You got to put everything into context here. Who was Joe throwing to his first year as a starter? Freddie Solomon, Henry Cooper. He wasn't throwing to Jerry Rice. He wasn't throwing to guys like that, okay? I be, he, I don't even know if he had Roger Craig on the team yet. So that was a very limited, talented team. They won a Super Bowl, though. 
That's your takeaway every day comparing quarterbacks to Jalen. Tomorrow it'll be whatever played tonight. Whatever, Prince. I'm telling you, your guy right now has a long way to go before anybody's going to consider that guy. If you don't look at Brock Purdy and think that Brock Purdy's getting out to a great – Brock Purdy's playing better ball right now than your guy. And he's got the same kind of talent around him that you do. Christian McCaffrey was just named the Offensive Player of the Month in the NFC. I don't see anybody on that Philly team even remotely close to that. Oh, the offense is struggling, I forgot. I mean, or, or it's – what is it? It still has to find its pace, even though the 49ers have. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, you guys want another three weeks to figure it out? Hey, you've got Washington this week. You should be able to put up a ton of points against Washington. Hey, I think that's a great point. If Hertz doesn't throw for 300 yards versus Washington this week, and you guys don't put a 40-burger on them, don't you think that there's question marks again for your offense? Or no, do you need another three weeks? Are, are you going to need another three weeks? Oh, just tell me. I'm, I'm, I'm open for anything. I'm open for anything. Do you need it? If it doesn't work, will there be another excuse come Monday that you need another week because the offense is just not with seven pro bowlers on it? Will you need another two weeks to figure it out? 49ers sure like to have. You got an analyst at the NFL Network comparing the quarterback to Joe Montana. You got a player that just named the Offensive Player of the Month in San Francisco. And they're the, they look like the best team in the league next to the Dolphins right now. Give you to the bye? So you're going to wait for your offense to fart around to the bye. Why, tell you what, if your offense is playing the same way by the bye, you got a problem. How, when's the bye? Is that six weeks? Is that week six? The bye? Seven? If you're still fumbling around and stumbling around like you are now, you got a problem. Do you think the bye's going to fix it? Dude, you're in the shitty end of your schedule right now. Here, and I'm just showing you here. Again, Brian Baldinger compared him to Montana. I didn't. Well, compared his traits to Montana, okay? Hey, Washington beat Arizona. You got, I think Arizona's a shit team, too. They did beat the Cowboys. And they beat the Cowboys up, actually. Right? So, like, the bye. We're coming up on the bye here. Week 10. Is there such a thing as peak too soon? Uh, Tone just asked. Absolutely. How many times do you see a team in September look like a like the Dolphins? They get to January, they look like shit. Hey, Tone, can I get that super chat, please? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, teams peak. So how would Purdy look without all weapons around him? That's a criticism Jalen has to deal with. Let's be fair. Can he carry a team like... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, no. I don't believe he can. No, but he's playing great with those players around him. He's playing great with those players around him. Jalen's not. So far, be fair. 
Be fair. So far. Yeah. So far. Hertz has weapons. He totally does. There's, hey, Niner. He's got seven pro bowlers. He's got seven pro bowlers. Three in the O-line itself. And, and get this. Here's my rub and why I have an ass with all those folks that are saying that um, they're just not on the same page as they were a year ago and they're blaming Brian Johnson. So you have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and three Pro Bowl players, and Dickerson is probably the fourth offensive line Pro Bowler. You got Swift, who probably will make the Pro Bowl if he continues his trend, and you're telling me you're struggling in the passing game. I don't know why. Were you not prepared? So wait a minute. Let me get this right. So do you blame Sirianni for not having the team prepared and Brian Johnson for not having the team prepared? Is that what we're doing here? Which team has a greater potential than the 49ers who are playing their best ball now? The Eagles, who are not playing their best ball but are winning. The Eagles. The Eagles totally do. Absolutely, Prince. So do you play? Okay, so let me get this right. Everybody, including Tone and all of you, are saying this right now. That the team and the offense struggling because of Brian Johnson. And the play, the quarterback. So the coaches didn't prepare the team for the start of the season? Why? What's different? Shane Steichen has made that much of a difference. Well, then he was the head coach. You can't have it both ways. Well, Nick's a great coach. How could you call him a great coach when you're not prepared? Niners are prepared. Dolphins are totally prepared. So you're, the coaches did not prepare the team properly. Got to blame Nick Sirianni for this. And Howie Roseman for not having this team properly prepared for the start of the season. Yes or no? What is it on why they're not Good in the passing game. No preseason? Well, that's a fundamental decision by the organization and the coaching staff. So your coaches in your organization are to blame for this team getting out slowly. Is that fair? Which is it? If you don't want to blame Jalen, let's do this. I won't blame Jalen. So then we have to look at the bigger picture here. Uh, and by the way, Sue goes, but still winning. Clearly, you're you're winning because you're in the shit end of your schedule. You're never winning a Super Bowl playing like this. You won't win your division playing like this because you can't beat Dallas. Dallas lost to Arizona. So what? Dallas always loses to shitty teams, but beats you. I mean, that's their mo. We know. You know when you know when you guys say this. Hey, you know what Dallas is? I do. They drop games to Arizona and beat Philly. Yeah, I do know. Yeah, I do know. You're right. For the last 25 years, Dallas is this, right? They lose games to Arizona but beat Philly. Is that fair? 
Yeah. That's that's nothing. And, and get this. Beat, how about split? Okay. Tone goes, here's my honest opinion. I'm disappointed in Sirianni and the offensive staff. Here's why. They still have not developed real answers to the blitz in the passing game. That's because their running backs are shitty pass protectors. Okay, that's clearly the problem here. They still have no developed real answers to the blitz. It's been three seasons and we're still seeing whack-ass bubble screens to wide receivers. I need to see the team develop counter punches to opponents. It, where's the screen game, Tone? Guys, where's the screen game? I thought DeAndre Swift was going to be some sort of like Christian McCaffrey. They're not using him like Christian McCaffrey at all. Okay? At all. You don't believe in the screen game because the quarterback can't see the field and the screen game. That comes with time and development. Mahomes sucked with the screen game his first two years in Kansas City. It's not uncommon to quarterbacks. Dude, being a progressing, progressive reading quarterback takes time. It's a skill set. Reading defenses is not just an innate thing. It takes studying, like you're studying for the bar exam. You just don't pass the bar because you have talent. You pass the bar because you study. It takes no talent to pass the bar. It takes study habits. The kid has them. This was not going to be what you thought, and many people in Philly thought, where this was going to be an overnight success. This was going to have peaks and valleys. But you're not patient enough with it. Playing that position and left tackle and center and middle linebacker in the NFL is something that takes time. Nicobe's going to, no, he's not. You guys think Nicobe Dean comes back, that's going to be a plus. Yeah, plus maybe roster-wise. That kid hasn't played, but what, a half? And then you're going to be taking on these guys that know how to read defenses. Not Sam Howe. This is not going to be an overnight deal with Jalen Hurts. It was never going to be. You saw one year of, get this, do you guys remember when the Wildcat came into the NFL and it took the league by storm? Remember when the, also the Mouse Davis offense came into the, came into the league, right? People didn't know how to defend it. Took everybody a year and the Wildcat's a non-factor anymore. That's what's happened with the Philly passing game. They've got to figure it out or expand it. And that's what most good coordinators do. They figure it out. Everything is a counterpunch. Okay? Everything is a counterpunch. You throw something out. Defenses throw it back. You got to come back with something now. That's how you develop a passing game like Kansas City is. Okay? Uh, take alert. I like Dean, but I'm not 
and any rush to throw went back out there with Cunningham and Murrow playing as well as they are. They're probably thinking about that. They're probably thinking about that. Kobe loses starting position? Probably. Or it'll be a personnel. This is where Howie gets in the way. If you take Cunningham and Murrow out where they're playing well right now, they're going to think this. Well, it's because of the two guys in front of those dudes. Kobe could do just as good a job, and plus we drafted him. Those other guys are rentals. Then you start getting personnel people making coaching decisions. That's a coaching decision, not a personnel decision. And that's the rub with Doug and Howie right there. Because Howie will want the Kobe in there. Why? He drafted him. Okay? You know how he's you, – you, you now – you know how he has an affection for the people he drafts, okay? You know how he loves the people that he drafts, okay? So it, it wouldn't shock me how he is in the room there when they're making personnel decisions on who's going to play, that how he goes, well, you know, the two guys in front are playing great ball. He's not really all that wrong. But for a guy all of a sudden who's missed four weeks to go back in there and take two guys out that are playing well, you could upset the entire chemistry of what you're developing with Sean Desai. And as a, it makes it harder for Sean Desai. I agree with you when it comes to Jalen not seeing the field right now, but that can be fixed. This is not a wildcat. He's not a what? I'm not. I did. I'm not saying he's a wildcat guy. Okay. I'm, I am not saying he's a wildcat guy. That is not at all what I'm saying, okay? I'm talking about the fundamentals. Hey, um, Tone, uh, can you make sure you send that again to him? Um, we'll send it back again uh, to Joe Theismann for 430, please. Um, hang on here, guys. Um, so this is a fundamental... This is a fundamental issue here, again, when it comes to people getting into the way, okay? Winning is a fundamental? I'm not sure what that means. Okay. Sorry, guys. I apologize for this here. Um, yeah. It's all good. Uh, yeah, I, I tone, I know. Um, 4.30, Joe Theismann will join us. So I, ju I just texted you the email there. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so where, where they are right now, Jalen's still learning, man. Here's why potentially it could get better. He's going to get better at reading defenses. Okay? He is. He's going to get better. Philip. Look at Philip's comment there. By the way, I'm going to show you how to beat Philly, and I'm going to show you how to beat Washington, okay? Here in a second. Look at what Philip just said. Philip, 
it's a great take. The Latin, the Bucks blitz hurts on 61% of the dropbacks. His passer rating was 40 versus blitzes and 126 when he got blitz. He needs to play better versus blitzes. I also think that that's pass protection too, though. Latin, that's pass protection too. They, they're having problems with internal blitzing. And that's kind of going to get to my point here on, on how to beat Washington. And also, if I was Washington and Eric Bieniemy, how to beat Philly. I'm going to get to that here in a minute. They are struggling. I would say they're more struggling with the backs, though. Okay? I would say, Washington, you just start Sam Howe. Drew. Tyler Heineke beat you. Full strength. Don't talk like that. It's a divisional game and you're on a short work week. Isn't it crazy when you listen to that shit like that, when that guy goes like, just start Sam Howe. You're on a short work week. You're playing a divisional opponent who beat you a year ago with lesser talent. At full strength. Well, we had turnovers. That's a you problem, not a Washington problem. That's a you problem. Okay? That's totally a you problem. You're going to blame Washington for winning a game because you had turnovers? That's asinine. That is absolutely asinine. Well, they had, we had turnovers. Of course you did. It's the only way to beat Philly if you're Washington. How's that a Washington thing? Okay. Let's do this. I'm going to start first with how to beat Washington. Then I'm going to go, if I was Washington, how to beat Philadelphia. If I am the Eagles this week versus this team, internal pressure, young quarterbacks, pressure in their face, make them step up. Got to get outside pressure. Keep them contained and keep getting that internal pressure. It'll be a nightmare for him. And right now you're getting the push with Davis and Carter. Continue that. Maybe even bring a blitzer coming up the middle there. See if they can handle it. He's struggling right now with 19 sacks. And so is that old line. So what's that mean? Don't let him sit back there. And Monty Kiffin told me this a long time ago, especially when you have a young quarterback. Do you know who Monty Kiffin is? Monty Kiffin is the guy who was the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense back in the day. And you know what he always tells you? When you got a quarterback like a Sam Howell kind of guy, get him off his point. Every quarterback like a Kurt Warner or a Dan Marino, they have a spot that they want to get to. Get him off him. Move him around. Move him to his uncomfortable side, left side. To me, Hal doesn't like to go to his left. Move him over there. Slide him over there a little bit. Bring pressure from the strong side. Make him have to go left. He doesn't look like he handles that very well. And he's not handling internal pressure very well. So for me, if those guys in the old line for Washington, and I don't think they're going to be able to handle these two guys, if they get a push up the middle, I'll tell you what, Sam Howe, man, he may have a couple pick sixes. He may be sitting on the bench by the end of the game. 
if that pressure comes through, okay, you don't really need to be crazy and blitzing. Those two guys are playing great football, and he and Washington and the O-line are struggling right now. Quan goes, how's atrocious? Well, then the Jalen's atrocious because he's got the same stats. Okay? He's got the same stats, Quan. Same exact stats as Jalen Hurts. That was my point yesterday. Not, not that Howe's better than Jalen. He's playing Sam Howe ball. Carter will kill him. I don't. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. I got it. Again with the stats? Yeah, because stats are trends. Absolutely. Players look at them. Players look at 10. Do you know what stats are for people that don't understand football, which many of you obviously don't? What do you think stats are for football players? They're tendencies. They're tendencies. That's what they become. They're tendencies. Okay? This is what they like to do. This is what they're good at. This is what they're weak at. This is what they like to do on third and four, minus 30-yard line. This is what they like to do on the plus 45, second and seven. That's how you prepare for a game. It's through tendencies. Jalen's last 21 games don't matter. Three games matter. They don't go back 21 games. They go back three games. And he's 25 and 11. Or he's 26 and 11. Stop telling 75% of the story. He's 26 and 11. Jesus, criminy. You make anything sound absurd. You're absurd. Absurd. And please, commanders are ranked 22nd against the run. Let me, I'm going to get to that. So here, please, dear God, I got a prayer for the Eagle offense. Please get the ball to Dallas Goddard. Washington cannot defend him. They cannot defend him. They don't have the linebackers to defend him. Run that guy up the seam. I want to see 10 catches with him and 20 carries with DeAndre Swift. You blow that team out doing that. If Jalen throws the ball 35 times, you lose. If they throw the ball 25 times, run the ball 35, got it with eight catches, you blow them out. You blow them out. You blow them out. You start doing other things and start getting three and outs, you'll be in trouble like you were last year against Washington. You, 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 you have the tools to blow this team out. Get Dallas Goddard the ball. Dude, if you get Goddard the dang ball, 
Devontae Smith's going to be wide open, streaking down the middle of the field. And he'll be in single coverage. Get Goddard the ball. I can't be any more expressive to that. Jalen's not playing good football. Playing Sam Howe football, playing good football. You're nuts when you say that, and you're lying. But you have, hey, by the way, you have the tools to blow this team out. Will you do the right fundamental things to blow this team out? Okay? Josh Allen and the Bills dominated because you know what they did? They fundamentally knew exactly what to do. And they told Josh Allen, you don't have to throw for 375 yards to put yourself in a position to have three interceptions. They dominated him and blew him out. You're right. I just told you that. Jalen doesn't have to throw for 275 yards in this game. But will they do that? Yet to be seen. Yet to be seen. We'll see. Okay? They 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 need to get back to they need to get back to their recipe. Mel Reese agrees with you. Hey, they need to get back to their recipe. How do we kill this team? Run it 38 times. I think the money's getting in the way it hurts. There, I said it. I think the money's getting in the way of Jalen. And I'm not talking about a comfort zone. I'm talking about pressure. That he feels he's got to be the centerpiece because with more money comes more responsibility. I completely believe... Even Boomer Esiason said he's got to learn to play with the money. Boomer said, do you remember that off comment tone that Boomer said? Boomer had an off comment. I didn't really think about it. And Boomer goes, he's got to learn to play with it. And I realize it now. You know what that comment means? Dog, if it's 154 yards I throw for, or if I have to throw for 275 yards, does it matter? Because when you guys keep that saying 3-0, and okay, when, 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 but when you add that cash to it, yeah, I believe he surely does. Look, I'm not saying Jalen's going, hey, I got my money now and I'm going to go to the beach and to Cabo and then, you know, I'm all good and, you know, F it. And, you know, I'm, that's not where I'm at with that. That's not what I'm saying. If Jalen Hurts throws for 154 yards, do you think he's happy with that or, or okay with it? And he's even addressing it now. Since when is winning not a bad – since when has winning become a bad th- – no one said being 3-0 and is a bad thing, Jalen. Only you said it. See, like, he got defensive there. Well, Jalen, your offense is not really playing well, and you're kind of struggling in the passing game. Jalen was the one that offered up, hey, since when did winning become a bad thing? No one said it was, Jalen. 
you you brought it up. You kind of exposed yourself a little bit there. No one brought it up that 3-0 is bad. I doubt anybody in Philadelphia thought 3 Ask the question, Jalen, do you think 3-0 is bad? Jalen brought that up or added it. That's pressure. That's pressure. No one asked him about 3-0. People were asking him about the stuttering and puttering offense. And then he added in, since when is winning a bad thing? No one said winning is a bad thing. No one. Who said that? You did. Goddard. Goddard is the key to the blowout. He's the key to the blowout. You start doing other shit, and you start getting three and outs, you keep Washington in the game. They got the coaching staff on that side of the ball to keep you in it. Okay? They got the, they got the coaching staff. And so far, you haven't really handled good coaching. You haven't. You've been outcoached in two of the three games. Okay? I mean, completely outcoached in two of the three games. So if I were you, this is probably one of the better coaching staffs, too, that you'll face all year. Now, how to beat the Eagles. We, we showed you how to beat Washington. Here's how to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. There is no question. The number one priority in that Washington commander's defensive meetings and position meetings is the emphasis on stopping the run. They have to stop the run. If they can't stop the run, everything else is it's irrelevant. They have to stop the run. They cannot have five yards of carry. Five yards of carry, you know what it leads to? It leads to being owned in time of possession, field position, and just the whole clock management. And it limits you in plays offensively. It limits you in series. If you look at the one thing that really has happened for the Eagle defense the last couple games, look how limited amount of plays that Eagle defense is allowing to the opposing teams. It's exceptional. Actually, when, when, when you're holding teams in the 50s to 50 plays, you're killing a team. It's not really indicative of what the score is when you're doing shit like that. If I'm running 79 plays and you're running 50, you have no chance to win that game unless you have massive turnovers. There's not a chance in hell you're winning that game. When you're two to one in plays, that means you're two to one in field position, time of possession. And if you're not turning the ball over, you might as well have your hand tied behind your back. And in the other hand, a white flag, because there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. But if you're sputtering with three and outs, and going into that game last week, you were third in the NFL and three and outs, that's why you're allowing teams to stay in ball games. So, again, Washington has to stop the run. 
It's imperative that they stop the run. Um, it's gonna. I think that's the tough sled for them. There is no question. Um, the strength of the Philadelphia Eagles is not the quarterback right now. It's the O line. You got to dominate them at the point of attack. You've got to do everything that you feasibly can if you are Washington to not be dominated by that Eagle O-line. They've got good players in there, okay? They've got some good players, and they shut you down last year. They could do it again, okay? They can do it again. Washington has to attack the middle of the field in the passing game. They have to. Hey, look, as as good as they played last week against Baker Mayfield, okay, um, quite frankly, I'm still not sold on that linebacking core, and I'll never be. I think it's okay. Okay? It's okay. It's not great. That's not a great defense. If you want to loosen up the fans, do the show, whatever. Philly, thank you. Um, thank you for the money. Um, I'm still not sold, so if I were them and Eric B. Enemy, I would attack the middle of the field. Nine-minute dri- nine drives means you own – okay, I just said that. Let the defense focus on Jalen Hurts, other shine defensive plays. What I would do is I would make Jalen Hurts beat me in the passing game. I don't think he can. Um, because he hasn't won a game yet this year. Now, that's not saying he can't. But if the passing game, as you guys say, this is the perfect game for him to get the passing game going. If you don't get your passing game going against that football team that's given up 19 sacks and Sam Howe has 340 yards on Monday, I'm killing that guy on the air. Fair enough? If Sam Howe outplays Jalen Hurts on Sunday, do we have an agreement? And if Jalen outplays Sam Howe, that means we're looking at maybe potentially turning the corner. Do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? Or is it going to be another shitty excuse on why the guy's not playing well right now? Until the day comes that Jalen play costs us a few games, your vitriol towards him is irrelevant, Sills. No one cares about your stats. I don't care about your whatever you just did. Great. We'll agree to disagree. Thanks for your input. Okay. So let me ask you this. So Washington split with you last year. Man, that's a typical day for you. I'm not sure what that means. English, try it. Sam Howell is, you're, okay. You have a chance to really turn the corner here against Washington. Okay. You have, 
I can't wait till Sunday. I don't think this is going to be as easy as you think on a short work week with a division opponent that beat you last year at full strength with a better roster. You guys think it will be. I I don't. I think you win. But it'll be like the rest of your ball games so far. Close. Okay? Close. Okay? Four, uh, yeah. And wait a minute. You better be four, no? It's Washington. Ron Rivera's on the hot seat. We're going to talk to Joe Theismann at 4.30. We'll get his sense of what he thinks about Washington. Players dropping passes, running wrong routes. Of course, blame it on everyone else except the quarterback who makes $50 million. Prime example of somebody always looking for off-ramps for people that are held accountable. When you're the quarterback of an NFL football team making $50 million, it's on you, fairly or unfairly. It was on Wentz. What up, man? 31-12 Eagles win. Hurts 580 yards. There you go, baby. 580 yards would be the most yards he has total all year long. Be great. He'd double his output. <laughs> He'll double his output. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe Theismann will join us at 430. I'm going to ask him about the, the brotherly the brotherly push. That's what I'm going to ask him. Does he think it's a football play? Former NFL MVP of the league. Okay. Hey, don't forget, folks, the 40th anniversary of our good friends at Hooters. Um, seven locations in the Northeast area. We so love the fact that the official home of the National Football Show is indeed Hooters, uh, King of Prussia, seven locations. Go to northeasthooters.com to find one of those seven locations. If you can't get into any one of the stores, Hooter Girls will take the food out to you, man, by ordering hooters2go.com, the iconic Hooter Girls. By the way, go into one of the places, and you can experience the 40-year traditions like Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. All the great happy hour specials. Six bucks, six items. Simple as that. Go to northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com to find one of those seven locations. Hour number two coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair.
if you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Playing the best ball, my top 10 players after three weeks. I'll tell you, and I'll rank them. I'll rank them for you here in a minute. By the way, um, Joe Theismann will join us at 4.30. This conversation that people are having because New England's playing the Dallas Cowboys about Micah Parsons being the Lawrence Taylor of today. You know, at first, I, I it, it, it bugs me. But then you start putting some things into proper context for Micah's comment. And who better to have that conversation with than Joe Theismann himself? Lawrence Taylor destroyed him. I'm going to ask Joe Theismann what he thinks of Micah Parsons' comparison to Lawrence Taylor. What do you think he'll say? But... Do me a favor. That's right. That's right, five-star. LT, you couldn't run at him. That's one thing you couldn't do to Lawrence. Hey, Tone, do me a favor. What was the average size of a offensive lineman? It just came. This was like an epiphany. It came to me. What was the offensive size for an offensive tackle in the NFL in 1986, the year Taylor won the MVP. And what's the average size of a player today that's an offensive tackle in the NFL? Um, I, I, I think there's some context to that. Okay? I mean, what's the average size OT and most notably left offensive tackle 
that Lawrence Taylor played in 1986 compared to what they are today. So the 80s, the average offensive lineman was 6'4", 272. Um, 6'4", 272. Just to show you that, you know, why Jerome and I were a little bit ahead of our time in college, we were 300-pound defensive tackles. And we were 30 pounds heavier than most of the people we played against. What's the average size of today's guys? 272 Lawrence Taylor played against. 272? Dude, that's a little dude compared to the guys today. The guys today have to be at least 315. Six, five and a half, I would think. So you're talking potentially an additional 32 pounds bigger guys that Michael Parsons is playing against today. The running backs are bigger. The linemen are bigger. I mean, I think you have to put it into proper context where, now look, Lawrence Taylor played and he was dynamic in that generation. Today, the average height of an NFL offensive lineman is 6'5", almost. The average weight of an NFL offensive lineman, like I said, it's about 315. That's quite a difference. Bills beat Washington last week by running the ball and getting pressure, 168 yards, nine sacks, and only 218. If they can't stop James Cook, how can they stop Swift? That's the remedy I just told you. So, is Micah Parsons physically in the same category as Lawrence Taylor? Probably. Probably. Okay? And I would say this, and you get this, it's a good point too. Okay? Back then, offensive linemen were fat slobs. They were fat slobs. Look at Jordan Mulata. Jordan Mulata right now, okay? Sorry, guys. I don't know what's going on here with Joe. I, um, I, I'm just going to tell Joe to log on anytime you want. Um, how about uh, – let's do 415 here. Let's get 415. I told him 430. I, I apologize, everyone. So I apologize. Um, I'm going to ask Joe. Okay. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about the comparisons. And again, he's going to give us a little bit of input here on what Washington. Okay. He's coming on at 415. He'll be on here in about five minutes. Um, do you see the, see, here's the problem that I have with, with Parsons though. He doesn't play the run. Now, it's a different NFL. It's a different NFL today. Lawrence Taylor played the run, ran people down from behind, was exceptional in the pass game, could cover tight ends and running backs. Um, you know, if, am, am, am I wrong, guys? He is playing against more athletic and bigger people. Michael Parsons. Okay, he is. So 
you know, Reggie was playing against those kind of guys, too, defensive linemen that were smaller, 265. You know, defensive linemen were like 265 back then. They weren't big dudes. Jerome was a big dude. Jalen Carter or Michael Parsons sells. I'm taking Jalen Carter. I think there's more upside with Jalen Carter. Yeah, you heard me say that. And you could put this down and you can quote me on this. If I had to start my defense with a football player in today's NFL, that is a kid that's under 25 years of age. I'm going to start it with Jalen Carter over Michael. Here, let me rephrase that. If I'm going to start between Micah Parsons or Jalen Carter, my defense, I'm taking Jalen Carter all night long. I think he's more of a destructive force in the run game and in the pass game. I think he's a better football player. Or, wait a minute. I think he has a higher upside. I think he has a higher upside. I take Carter all day, man. If you guys go back to April's draft when I told you they get this kid and when he fell, can you imagine this? You're the Chicago Bears and you had that kid in your hands. And you made the trade with the Eagles and you decided not to take him. Why? Because you had fear of what? You're in a position right now where your quarterback decision was a col- you know what you could have covered up at least? You could have covered up the Justin Fields disaster by getting Carter in there. But you went in the wrong direction. How in the world do you pass? Remember what we said? Dude, there's a couple guys in the sandbox. Personally, I, I'm not wrong. Bijan Robinson, am I right? Right, Tone? The two best rookies so far, three best have been Christian Gonzalez, Jalen Carter, and B. John Robinson. Okay? Those three guys we identified. They were like part of our sandbox guys. And Gonzalez fell to the Patriots. I mean, he's playing tremendous football right now, that kid. You saw him up close and personal. When the Eagles played him. Okay? They didn't want Carter for off-the-field issues. You you know, when I hear organizations saying that dumb shit about not wanting field or um, Carter for off-the-fields, what are you, a daycare center? Do your homework. Find out what's facts and not facts. Don't we get it in today's society? Not everything is what is being said and reported. People will come out with narratives. Agents will lie. How many agents do you think lied about Jalen Carter on draft day? 90? 90% of them? Oh, he's a bad character guy. We heard it. Organizations don't like it. When organizations probably never said it. Everyone's jockeying to get their guy drafted in the right position. How many people do you think the Eagles did their homework and rolled the dice? Hey, screw it. I'm not missing out. Like like Minnesota did on Warren Sapp. Okay? I thought it was a tremendous move. I would say this to you. That kid could go down being a better ball player than Jerome. I told you right on draft day. 
That kid had every single intangible that Jerome Brown had. Bigger. He has been a spectacular player for the Eagles so far, Jalen Carter. I told you on draft day, that guy was going to be Jerome Brown. And he's bigger. He's athletic. And he's actually motivated, in my opinion, Jordan Davis to pick his game up. Those two guys are going to give Washington everything they can handle when it comes to the run game. Because that old line is struggling running the ball a little bit. And you're going to be going up against the best and number one run defense in National Football League. I could not wait to get my friend on here. The former NFL most valuable player. We've had a couple MVPs on the last couple weeks. Okay, we had Boomer last week. And now we get another MVP on. We get our friend Joe Theismann as he joins us now. Hey, Joe, how you doing, my friend? Hello, Dan. How are you, buddy? How's it going, man? Good, 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 good. Thank you very much. Got a little house project going on here. We're redoing a pool. So my general contractor wife is in charge. So I get to spend a little time with you. <laughs> Fantastic here. All right, Joe, I got to ask you right out of the gate here. The tush push. Do you like to play? Do you think it's good for the game? Give me your sense on what you think what Philly does with that quarterback sneak. I think it's wonderfully creative, and I think the NFL will rule it out in a year from now. Uh, there's, I doubt very seriously if anything will be done this year, but I think it's something that they have to look at. And, hey, kudos to the Eagles to come up with this concept and idea. Uh, they may require a certain amount of people closer to the line of scrimmage, or you know, they might take away the fact that you can't push anybody into the end zone. That would be the most logical way to do it. You can't pull or push someone uh, across the goal line. That would be the only real way that they could probably get around it. But the fact of the matter is, I gave hey, kudos to the Eagles for coming up with a concept and an idea that uh, is unique and very, very productive. And, you know, Joe, I've seen other teams and even colleges try to replicate it, and they can't. No. And it's it's – is, is that a skill set that the quarterback has to know? When you're doing a play like that, besides physical attributes, has to come down to, look, they got a Hall of Fame center in Jason Kelsey, too. We're talking about one of the elite yeah. guys in the game as well. And you're talking about one of the most powerful quarterbacks in the game. So all those things probably play a factor. They do. But one of the hardest jobs for a center, and you're right, True, true Hall of Famer. One of the hardest jobs is to, with people over your nose and so close, to be able to get the ball to the quarterback and bring it all the way up to his hands so that you have a secure exchange. And, and they managed to do it very well. You know, and Jalen, let's face it, Jalen is strong, but he ain't that strong, Dan. Okay. He's not, he's not going to move two, two, 340 pounders out of the way. It's the push behind him. All they need to do is get an, inis, an initial surge. And then he's gonna, you know, he's gonna fall forward if he needs to. Remember, they don't use it over a very what a yard, maybe, maybe yep. a half yard. That's about it. Like I said, I, I think it's I think it's wonderfully creative. Think with me back here over the years. The shotgun the Cowboys used, the West Coast offense of the 49ers, the 46 defense of the Bears, the two tight end offense that we had in Washington. They were all innovations in the game that sort of changed the game for a period of time. I don't know if anybody's going to come up with a solution how to defend this because you're talking big bodies on big bodies. I think the only way that it's going to change is if the league steps in and makes a change next year. 
you know, kind of like the leverage play and the field goal play, you know, where you can't get on a guy. Exactly. You like block. Maybe he's like you said, right, Joe, you can't push a guy from behind like a rugby scrum. So they'll probably put some, they'll probably put a nuance in that and how they're going to look at that. What is so interesting to me, Dan, is they have a rule that says you can't push a guy from behind on a field goal or an extra point. Right. But yet you can push somebody into the end zone. That's probably why people have a problem with the play right now is because, like you say, in special teams, there is that rule. It's a contradiction. I mean, it basically is a contradiction. And I think, you know, I think that, um, like I said, I, I, hey, like a kudos to the Eagles for coming up with the concept and the idea. And you have the people to execute it. You got big people uh, and you got Jalen in the middle to get it done. There is one thing when we're talking about rules right now. This has bothered me ever since last Sunday, and I'm excited to share this with you. Why wouldn't the NFL allow every play, every play, to be challenged instead of this, instead of this menu that they present? Because I'm thinking of the Indianapolis-Baltimore Colt game, where I believe Gardner Menchu stepped out of bounds, dropping back, stepped out of the end zone. And the holding play, too, in the play. But, at but the forget end. the holding play. The holding play doesn't – he stepped out of the end zone. Now, I guess that's not challengeable, which to me, if you've got to use the challenges, why not allow – you're only giving them two. So if they use one, they only have one left. Or if they get it right, they keep, keep it. But the bottom line to me is, is why, oh, why, would you just limit plays when you have plays like this that make a difference in the game? I, I don't understand, and I know there's been coaches that have been pounding the table on this. Hey, look, if we're going to have challenges, let us challenge everything. Absolutely here. Um, Joe, we're froze here a little bit. Maybe we can uh, reconnect here, too. I want to – there you go. I got you. Um, the 2-1 and one Washington Commanders, tell me who they are, Joe. I don't who, know. Who, who are they? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think they quite know yet. This will be a telltale sign this week. Buffalo came in and just, you know, beat the living daylights out of them. The young quarterback made mistakes and you know, it's a darned if you do and darned if you don't situation, Dan, you want him to get the experience, but you don't want to get him beat up more so mentally than physically. I think Sam's a tough guy. He can handle a lot. Can't handle 19 sacks in three games. So you're averaging a little over six a game. That's not going to last very long, but I think they haven't quite established what their identity is. Uh, certainly, they've got two good running backs. Antonio Gibson can't keep putting the ball on the ground. I mean, you know, I, I, that's the bottom line. You just can't give the ball away in our business. Statistics are, are resoundingly loud when it says, if you give the ball away X amount of times, your chances to win are minimal. Um, I, I don't know. People ask me about Sam originally, too, which goes along with your question, is what do you, what do you think about Sam Howell? I don't know. Give me a month. Give me six weeks to be able to watch him play so that we can figure out who he is. I think that this is a big game for him because this is the first time he's really dealt with adversity. You know, you win the opener against Arizona. Uh, you come back against Denver. Now, all of a sudden, you get beat up physically and probably mentally against Buffalo. What are you going to do now against an extremely good Eagle team that, by the way, Washington beat a year ago when they were a very good Eagle team? And the Eagles haven't played their best football. I think everybody's acknowledged that. Absolutely, especially on offense, too, in the passing game here. 
Joe, maybe the most disappointing thing, you know, I, I, I get the wobbling of the offense a little bit when you're breaking in a new quarterback, but there's so much assets and equity built into the Washington defense. And for it to get kind of pushed back on its heels a little bit, again, if I was, if I was Ron Rivera and I was Jack Del Rio, I would be a little bit concerned with that because we've put a lot of equity over on that side of the ball. Have you been surprised with the way they got pushed around by Buffalo? Yeah, I have, but it's one game. I mean, I just I look at it as one game, and and again, I I believe this time and time and time again. I've basically said that the first three games, two to three games of the regular season, are glorified preseason games, and the nobody really knows. Look at the amount of fumbles. Look at the amount of drops we see in the early these two three games. They don't occur as the season goes on. So when, when you start to look at the offensive line, they need to gel. Washington's offensive line needs to play better. I don't know. I was trying to think, when's the last time they drafted an offensive lineman? One. It's all been defensive linemen or wide receivers. But what about the context of the game? Absolutely. Joe, Joe you know, you bring something up, and I've been kind of critical of Jalen, when you have all those kind of talented people on the offensive side, you've got pro bowlers, there's seven of them on that side, and you've got two pro bowl wide receivers and 2,000-yard wide receivers. Joe, how much does losing a coordinator like a Shane Steichen and having a new guy go in, you're running the same system. What's yeah. the nuanced difference when you get one guy versus another, even though it's the same playbook? You're running the same system, but the personality of the offense is different. Every offensive coordinator has a different personality, a different play that's called at a particular time. And so from my perspective, it's it changes it dramatically. I think when you bring in new coordinators, it changes everything. It doesn't matter if the book is the same. Are they going to call it? When are they going to call it? How are they going to call it? It all matters that, that way. So for you, you and think if you can't tell behind me, you hear this humming going on. Uh, the guys are are doing the grass, and I asked them, please don't cut the grass outside my office until I'm finished talking to Dan because he's such a wonderful guy. So I apologize for the hum uh, behind. Don't, you, you don't have to worry because I'm, I'm I'm distracted by the footballs and the Lombardi Trophy in the back. So <laughs> yeah. hey, you don't I I don't really hear anything except you talking and. I have a few toys. Party trophy. I have a few toys back here. Yeah, I guess <laughs> mementos, Dan. Mementos. So, so you think you you think it's situational play calling then that becomes a factor when you have a new coordinator? Absolutely, absolutely. Familiarity between the coordinator or the play caller and the quarterback are essential. See, there's I call it the whys and the whats when it comes to the offense. You know what you want to do, okay? So you know what the coordinator called, but you have to understand why he called it, okay? If, if we have the ball on the 35-yard line and it's third down and four and he wants me to take a shot, or let's say it's third down and two, he wants me to take a shot or he calls a play where I have a shot built in, I sort of have an idea that we're going to go for it on fourth down. So the two minds need to be in sync when it comes to figuring out exactly how you want the why to match with the what. Boomer said this last week about these high-priced guys when it comes to these, these salaries, and he said something that I kind of didn't take um, as like a, a big statement with, when we were talking about $50 million quarterbacks. He said, you know, 
Hertz and some of these other guys have to learn to play with the money. And I didn't understand what that meant until you think you're starting to watch Jalen slide pre-hit. You're starting to see him get down more because obviously he's probably thinking, I'm so essential to this team's success. Joe, when you make that kind of money and you're the highest paid guy on the team, it, it's, it's more about responsibility, isn't it? About Absolutely. you having to be the centerpiece. And do you really, is that is that a thing you do have to learn how to do is play with the money and the responsibility? Dan, take the money out of it. Take the money out of it. The responsibility, and this is something I try and share with young quarterbacks. Your job is to be able to play and practice every day. Your job is to be on the field, not standing watching. The, you know, the, the marketplace is, is giving people a lot of money. You know why these guys are making so much money, Dan? Because we don't have enough quarterbacks in this league where somebody says, if I don't pay you, where am I going to go? Where, where do the Dallas Cowboys go? Where do the Eagles go? You know, where, where do these teams go if in the event that the guy who is there and you have to pay him a certain amount of money because that's what the market is bearing, where do you go to get someone else to play that position? So it, it's a really it, it's all about supply and demand. And right now, the demand is very great for quarterbacks who can play at a high level. But you take the money out of it, the economics. These are smart young quarterbacks. Think back. Remember Marvin Harrison? when yep. He ran an in route in Indianapolis. He didn't take a hit. He went to the ground. He just he just he wasn't he wasn't going to fight for some extra yards and have somebody strip the ball and get himself beat up by four or five a corner and a safety and a linebacker. Smart football. That's the thing that you have to teach smart football. Let's go back. Let's go back a couple weeks to and I think I think Josh Allen has a wealth of talent. But the two interceptions he threw inside the game looked like Hail Marys inside the game. Why? And, and I think the one thing that Josh has to learn to do is not try and challenge people running the football. It will catch up with him. Go out of bounds. Slide. You're so talented. Why not continue to get up every play and get under center in the gun and execute the plays? Why put yourself in harm's way? I'm watching Bryce Young run out of bounds. He's slowing down to the sidelines. You better not, young man. You better run hard through the sidelines because you know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to get a 15-yard penalty, and you're going to wind up losing a lot of time because they don't care about taking shots at you. Oh, I'd be telling them, hey, better check your Skittles. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, mean, you know, I see a guy tiptoeing on that sideline. Yeah, but I think the way, the way – listen, the way Jalen plays it is smart, talented football. I mean, that's that's a young man who's playing with his head as well as his arms and his legs. I mean, he is, he is really, as I watch the position, a true, true package. Patrick does the same thing in Kansas city. Patrick, if, Hey, if it, if it's third and four and it looks like he's headed out of bounds, he'll lose a yard. You know why? Cause he knows he can get back for the next series. If he, you know, if he, if he doesn't get killed. Joe, I couldn't wait to ask you this one. Um, the impact of Josh Harris has been what, on the commander so far? I think it's been extremely positive. Uh, um, the fans are crazy. I mean, the, the first the first game against Arizona was sold out for the first time in 18 years. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The game against Buffalo on a miserable, miserable day was sold out. Uh, now they're on the road. I think they got Chicago coming up after this. So this is a football team that's still uh, finding itself. I think ownership is still trying to understand all the pieces. Uh, but, um, you know, the momentum that Josh has created in the city has been extremely positive. Here's another one, too, I couldn't wait to ask you. Um, <laughs> this comparison with Lawrence Taylor and Micah Parsons, to me, is asinine. Um, I saw the Arizona Cardinals run at him and over. I remember this, Joe, with, between you and Jaworski and in the NFC East, that guy, even in losses to you guys, he never played poorly. I mean, I never saw him dominated, but I've seen this kid dominated. Am I off base? Do you think there's a comparison to him? Well, I, I think, first of all, I, I think he's I think he's the best defensive player in football. I think Micah is someone still learning how to play the position. Right now, he's using pure speed. His speed, his athleticism, his power. You know, he's just trying to overpower people, run around people. As he develops a skill set, he's even going to be more scary. And I do think it's premature to say, well, you know, this is Lawrence Taylor. I've said it. I said he has the characteristics and game-wrecking abilities that Lawrence Taylor had. But you've got to do it for more than a year. You've got to do it for two, three, four years. And, and you need that compliment on the other side of you. So I, I, to me, I, I, think it's, I think it's a fair comparison if you want to do it. Physically, I think it's fair right? to start talking about it. But, uh, you know, he's not Lawrence Taylor. Physically, right? You see the make, maybe the comparisons. Yeah, the speed. But The speed's phenomenal. But there was just something about him. Plus, he, you know, Lawrence was in a 34. They play kind of more of a – he's more of an end. So even the comparison's a little bit off because nobody saw, right, Joe? I mean, even your fabulous coach, Joe Gibbs, I mean, and even Bill Walsh said, all of a sudden they come up with this scheme where they're rushing a 34 linebacker off the edge. Yep. People didn't see that back then, and all of a sudden it was new – you realize you first you thought you could put a back on them, and it took teams right a little bit. Like you laughing, yeah. took teams. A we little tried. Bit. Hey, Dan, we we tried. That didn't work out very well for me or them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tug of Viola's play so far. How impressed have you been? If and I just, I'm first of all, I'm so glad he's healthy enough to do what he was doing. You know, we forget the kind of year he had at the as he was as he was learning last year, and now you know, I, I it's it's like. Are we watching the Miami Olympic team, the uh, the four by one hundred, or are we watching a football game? It is absolutely the fastest team on football. I love the creativity on the offensive side of the ball, and the thing that Tua does that that a lot of young guys don't learn to do early enough in this game is he has the ability to anticipate where he wants to go with the football. He understands this offense, and he understands where he needs to get the ball to. And as, as you watch, as you watch a game from the end zone, which if you're just sitting and watching TV and they'll have an end zone shot, watch how he throws people into open holes and lets them run through. And you get, if he gets these guys, you know, Waddle's coming back, uh, Tariq's just phenomenal, but I mean, and everybody on that football team, you know, they're like sub four ones. 
Um, you just get them the ball and give them a little space, and you're not going to catch them. They're an extremely dangerous football team. I think the thing that's going to be interesting is people will be talking. Obviously, they think Kansas City has a chance to go again to the Super Bowl. I think the Miami Dolphins are positioned right now, if everybody stays healthy, to be able to really, really change what happens in the AFC. And remember this, if something does happen to Tua, Mike White is there, who we saw just a little bit um, against Denver. But Mike White is a guy who did a heck of a job with the Jets before he wound up down in Miami. So I, I just think I'm I'm excited for this football game this weekend. I want to see Miami in Buffalo against the Bills because the Bills have a really, really good defensive football team. And we know how much they put up the points. And that's the other thing. We look at the offense of the Miami Dolphins and the, their defense gets overshadowed by it, but you can't sleep on them. Absolutely. Joe has... Mahomes made the same impact in the NFL that Marino did when Marino burst onto the scene. You know, back in the day when he first got in, you guys were throwing the ball probably, you probably more because of Gibbs, 25 to 30 times. Now they're throwing the ball 55 to 65 to 70 times. They'll throw, they'll have 700, 800 attempts in today's game. I mean, double what you did maybe in a respected year. Um, has he had that same kind of impact, you think, on the NFL? He has had nowhere near the impact that Taylor Swift has, Swift has had. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact, man. Yeah, those now, those now, you want to talk about an impact on the NFL. Um, wow. I think it's, I just think it's wonderful. I, I just think it's terrific. I'm glad she's she's enjoying the game. I'm, I'm glad she's, you know, we get a chance to see that other side of Taylor Swift, who's just magnificent by herself. But now all of a sudden she's entered into another realm. But I, I do think Patrick is in a position where um, Andy loves to throw the football. We've known that. Andy loves to put the ball in the air. Did it in Philly. Did it everywhere he's been uh, in Kansas City. And he has the perfect trigger to be able to get it done. Uh, Patrick is smart with the football uh, and creative. I, I, he's, he's a video game. If you were going to devise a video game and a quarterback in a video game, Patrick Mahomes would be the person you'd model after. But I think he has changed the game a little bit. But we've got, you know, we've got young guys in this game that are uh, are creative, are good. I think Jalen does it another way, runs the ball, doesn't get, doesn't really get plays called as much as Patrick does in the design that they have in Kansas City. But uh, you know, if the Chiefs are playing, people want to watch because of Patrick. Well, they used to. They they love to watch Patrick. Now they just want to see who's who's in the box. <laughs> I tell you what, man, Travis Kelsey, boy, I mean, his jersey went up four hundred percent. TV ratings. Season I think it's great. What a what a last two questions here for you, Joe. You know you're gonna have a lot in common with my friends in Philadelphia. We're based in Philly. When I talk about the Cowboys, and I said the difference between the Cowboys and the Eagles was exactly what happened on Sunday. You said it too. Philly's not playing their best ball, but they're three and zero. Dallas will beat Philly and then lose to Arizona. That's just, I mean, it's its its just like they lose the moment. You know what I, I mean? Joe, you know this. It's not about being focused for 60 minutes. It's about being focused for six months. I mean, it just seems they don't stay on, they don't stay on the rails. There's, there's, there's some basic fundamentals that I don't think the Cowboys adhere to very well is they make critical mistakes at inopportune times. I've said this before. It appears to me that they're, the, they're one of the, if not the most talented team in football. Of course, Miami, I think, might be rivaling them now. But yet they're undisciplined. 
you know, the interception, you, you, the interceptions in the end zones, uh, missing people that are open, you know, all of a sudden people start running it down your throat. I never, I'll never forget when, when we used to play the 46 defense of the Chicago bears, that was, that was the most incredible talented front seven I've ever been up against in my life. They were big, strong, fast. The linebackers were incredible. But the way to beat them was to run at them. You're, never, you're not going to run away from them, Dan. Heavens no, you're not going to run away from them. But you have to run at them. That's what Arizona basically did to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I, it, Again, to me, these, these are bounce-back games. Sam Howell, how is he going to bounce back against Philadelphia? You know, In Dallas, how, how, are, how are the Cowboys going to bounce back in this game? Minnesota, how are they going to bounce back in this game? So, I, you know, basically I've dubbed this bounce back week. A lot so of teams you, out you there would, have to prove that you they think that this done. loss here to Arizona could cost them two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Conference the game. New England game. Yep. Yep. That's it. You know, don't ever underestimate Bill Belichick. Don't ever underestimate the New England Patriots. They've been, they've been in every game. It's been one play here and one play there that's made a difference in the outcome of those games. Joe, at the end of the year, if you're Jerry Jones, the contract has not been even talked about yet with Prescott. Would you move on from him after seeing I, him after eight years? I want to see. I want to see what the remainder of this year looks like. I'm not. I'm not in any. I'm not in any hurry. I can always franchise him if I'm not real sure what I want to do. Like I said, Dan, where do you go? I agreed. Where do you go? I mean, it, it's you know, it's in Dak's hands. Um, the opportunity is there. Last year, he led the league in interceptions. And what missed four or five games? Four games. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you you have to be able to ele- elevate your team by your play. And it, and sometimes it isn't even physical. It's just what decision are you going to make with the ball in your hand to give your team a chance to win? And I think, I think you know, I still think that Jerry wants to see exactly what this football team is going to be like. There's 14 games left. There's a lot of football left. And, you know, What's going to happen going forward? Like I said, the big big bounce back week. Let's see. Let's see which guy or which team bounces back from the adversity that they suffered last week. Finally, here, Joe. Um, it's three weeks, like you said, but as you know and I know, when we got our game plans on Wednesday, you get trend books. Team does this out of an I formation, weak set, strong set, double tight ends, plus thirty, minus thirty. So we we kind of get an idea of what teams are trying to do and what. They can do. So when you look at San Francisco right now, with what you've seen, with how they're trending, are they the best team in the NFL right now? I think they're the best team in the NFC. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to look at the Miami Dolphins, uh, you know, on the other side, and say that's a pretty darn good football team too. But you know, I I, I think I think I've always felt Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in football. He's done it time and time again. Defensively, they're always always making plays. They're fast. They're aggressive. They're quick. Uh, they've got playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Brock is, you know, back to form where he was before he got hurt last year. And so, you know, I, I, def, I think, I think San Francisco is the best team in the NFC for sure. Now is, are they the best team in the league? You know, some people will say Miami, some people will say them. Um, you know, I, I just think they're right there. I think they're different styles of football. But yet, basically, at the top of the game. You know, since you brought up the 85 Bears, I want to ask you about my boy Jerome Brown's um, gang green. In your opinion, gang green or the 85 Bears, who was the tougher defense to go against with Reggie and them guys? 85 Bears. 
I mean, Reg, and those guys, I mean, you know, Jerome and, and that group, no question. They were, they were incredible. But the Bears, you know, the Bears conceptually created problems with the athleticism of their front seven. You know, Philadelphia lined up with those guys in that 3-4 and said, here we are. Come on. That's we'll right. Hampton, Hampton, and Dent. <laughs> Hampton and Dent moved around, didn't they? Yeah, not not a lot. They, what they did is they just – it was a concept. I mean, they came up with such a great idea. You cover the center. You cover the two guards with big people. You bring linebackers up so you get speed on the outside. You don't allow the guards to help the tackles. You're forcing tackles to block one-on-one. Look at look at this year. Let's not go back to the 85 bear, Dan. Let's look at the, let's look at this particular year. How many times have we seen tackles in this league, good ones, get put on an island and don't stand a chance against the speed of these defensive ends and outside backers? Oh, we, we saw it in the NFC title game. That's the Bears. Yeah, that's 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 the bear. That's the bear concept. What we're going to do is we're going to cover the inside people. You're not going to get help. And like I said, the way we wound up doing the way Coach Gibbs wound up really, you know, taking advantage of the situation against them was to run the ball, run it at the two linebackers. They're smaller. Let's run it at them. Joe, I got to sneak another win in on you. Um, LT um, or Reggie. Most more difficult guy, more dominating player. When you put on game film and you were game planning against someone, who was the more difficult guy? Who was the guy that you were more concerned about, Reggie or LT? Well, I can. Uh, I'm going to explain something to you in a, in a second. But Reggie, Reggie worked the interior and on the ends a little bit, so it was a little bit easier to be able to sort of figure out where he was. Lawrence, because of his athleticism and his speed and his power, people don't realize how powerful a man he was. I mean, when he hit you, it was like he was going through you. Reggie would pick you up, and he's so sweet, he'd put you on the ground. <laughs> LT, LT would see if he could like take this a piece guy. Of, yeah, he could see if you take a piece of your body on his way going through. So when we would prepare for the Giants, so I'm going to try and make it as simple for everybody to understand from an offensive standpoint. We have – on the defensive side of the ball, you have your formation. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the V's are defensive linemen. The B's are backers. The C's are corners. The S's are safeties. And that's the way you denoted the defense as we set up our formations and our plays. But when we played the Giants, the B's were there. The V's were there. The C's were there. The S's were there. And there was a big giant circle around number 56. <laughs> <laughs> it was the way it was the way coach base said this is someone we have to be aware of i'll be honest with you because i never worked out of a gun i worked under center all the time and if i drop back and i have to catch a peek to the left and he wasn't coming felt a little bit different in the pocket joe did were you more on the move when he was out there versus other guys did you have to be more mobile to get away from that too, because again, that kind of makes your offensive line that know where you are. They'd like to know where you are when you're pass protecting, but did you have to be more mobile with him on the field? Not really. You're never going to get away from him. The worst thing you can do is pull it down and try and outrun him. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, glad that, you know, I, I watch, I watch the cheetahs run down, uh, gazelles all the time and, and you know on the discovery channel and you know that's sort of what it looks like you're not gonna you're not gonna outrun lt uh it, it, again like i said I, I don't think people 
appreciate because it was uh, quite a few years ago. You don't appreciate the combination of power and speed and relentlessness that he had. He, you know, I, I don't know what their defensive philosophy was, but it was basically LT. If the ball goes the other way, just go get it. <laughs> he had the ability to be able to maneuver. He, he, he would sort of weave in and out of people to, to get to a, a point of intersection where, you know, it was like a, a car wreck. And a lot of times you felt like you were in one. Well, Joe Theismann is the only man that could share helmets with Gerald Premium. He's the <laughs> only guy I know. <laughs> You're talking about being a tough guy. Joe Theismann in a single bar, dude. I mean, him and Gerald, that's it. You're the only MVP I know that had a single bar, unless we're going back to my uncle's days. That's it, Joe. I love you, man. Thank you so much for this. Dan, thanks for having me. I always love being with you, buddy. Take care. You bet. The great Joe Theismann, former NFL Most Valuable Player. We so appreciate him, man. What a great man. What a great career. What a great analyst, too, the way he breaks it down all the time. We so appreciate him doing that. Hey, by the way, folks, our good friends at Hooters, the 40th anniversary of our great friends at Hooters, seven locations in the Northeast area. All you have to do is log on to NortheastHooters.com to find one of those seven locations nearest you, and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. It's the 40th anniversary. I've been involved with them for so long. And if you don't want to go into any one of the stores, go to Hooters2Go.com, get the food, bring it home. Go into one of the places, though. You got to do that, man, and experience one of the 40-year traditions. You buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, the year the place was founded. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. And when you go in, do me a favor, tell them Big Sill sent you. and Hooters, the perfect pair. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Wild, wild, wild. 
Corin save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. My top 10 Eagle performers so far this 2023 season. I'll get to that here. I thought it was pretty cool that Travis Hunter went out to an event with Henry Blackburn. Henry Blackburn's the guy that gave him that cheap shot in that Colorado State-Colorado game. Those guys went bowling. And it was Travis Hunter's idea because the kid had been getting death threats by some assholes out there because they thought the kid had a predetermined notion. This again goes down to people that some of you even in here think that you take things literally. You thought the kid from Colorado state was throwing cheap shots out because that was something he went to bed thinking he was going to do. They're 19, 20 year old kids. They get lathered up by the media and the coaches and the environment and the rivalry and all of that. And you, re- you you get a 19, 20-year-old kid that's a different kid every day in college. And it takes a level-headed coach to be able to contain that. I think that's a classy move by this guy. The more and more I watch Travis Hunter play, the more and more I'm becoming even more convinced he's the best player in the country. He might even be the best person in the country. That's a classy move, man. He saw the kid and his family getting too much heat from people that are complete ass pipes and don't understand anything about sports and competitive sports and being competitive. Things happen. And Travis Hunter, I guarantee you, Dion told him, hey, the kid needs help. Go help him. You bet. You're right. That's coaching from Dion. That's a reflection of Dion, the coach. Okay. That's a reflection of the coach. His players are showing class. And then you got a guy like Bayless who shows you exactly what I talk about with the woke-ass, race-baiting, piece-of-shit media like that guy. So it only took him three days to try to get Dan Lenning, the head coach of Oregon, to call him basically a racist. You know how he did it? Out of nowhere with no context, not knowing if it's true or not. You know, people in the back in the day used to jump my ass for saying shit that sometimes, hey, what's your context? Bayless on Undisputed threw this out yesterday. There's a lot of white coaches in college football 
that don't like Dion because he's black. He said it on his show. I saw the quote. What was Jay Norvell's excuse? He's black. He took shots at him. He's a black coach at Colorado State. What that guy tried to do by race baiting people, it's not that they don't like Dion because Dion's black. They don't like Dion because Dion's doing things differently. He's going up a different road and taking a different highway to where he wants to go that people have an ass with him. That is an at he this is the same guy that lied about Troy Aikman being gay and wrote a book and made money on it. But there's no accountability. I say something dumb 13 years ago. Go on my Twitter page. People still bring it up. That guy says something like that with no context. What white coaches are you talking about? Don't like Dion because he's black. Has anyone said that? Has anyone inferred that? Even if there are some at dude, you can't play and be a head coach at college sports today and not have black kids on your team. What are you talking about? When you're a coach, you're there to bring a team together. Not a race, you're, you're not a race relations guy. Okay? So when you say that there's white coaches in America that don't like Dion because he's black, who are you talking about? Identify him. You know what he won't do? He won't talk, he, they have not addressed the Mel Tucker case about him and his inappropriate behavior with Brenda Tracy because it doesn't fit his narrative. Okay. I mean, even, even Stephen A. Smith addressed it, but he won't address it because that guy wants to throw race into it. Cause you know why he knows it's great, great click stuff. He appeals to 5%. That's why his show has, has lost hundreds of thousands of viewers. And first take is going through the roof with Shannon. Shannon's like, that guy's not a racist. He just motivated his team. I mean, hey, are there people in college football that may have a racial side to them? Those coaches aren't usually successful long. Okay. Those coaches usually aren't successful. All right? But to sit there and go on a show and see, it was a backhanded attempt by him to call the Oregon coach a racist by saying this. Because he had his name up, his pregame speech, and then he goes, you know, there are certain white coaches out in the country today that don't like Dion because he's black. What, 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 where did that come from? Who, where, where, where is there any intel on that? What, because you watch Fox News or CNN? Where is that? Where, where in the world would you do that to use that? So this is what this guy has done. And it bugs me because he called Aikman gay and he wasn't. And now you're calling the guy in Oregon a racist and he's not. 
but nobody cares. Nobody cares. Joe Biden calls LL Cool J a boy. And nobody cares. Are you selectively just picking people you like and not like? Is that is can can somebody help me out here on that? I see. So you like those guys, but some of you don't like me. Okay. As long as I know that that's the context of how this works today, it'll never bug me again. Okay. Do I think Joe Joe Biden's a racist? No. I just think he's stupid. Like me. Yell goes. Yell goes. Biden isn't a racist, but I am. Oh, okay. I'm not saying you said that. Yell. I see. So. We'll help him. We'll help him. We won't help him. We won't help him. That guy's too rich. I can't do anything for him. I don't like him. I don't want him. I don't like him. That that guy definitely. It is so upside down how you look at people. So crazy. How people look at people. Do I think the president of the United States is racist? No, I don't. I think he's stupid. No. Born in a different era. They say different things. That's how I look at him. But we'll pick him, do him, that guy, here, him. It's so weak. I've come to the conclusion that most people in our country are C students because they're so easily swayed. You're not very educated because most of you follow that shit. Okay, you do. And you'll believe anything anybody posts or has a commentary on. That's so sad. Hour number three, my top 10 Philadelphia Eagles so far to start the season. Hit the like button. Hit the like button. Power hours coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety covering green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. want to get rid of James Harden? Yes or no? Do you want to get rid of James Harden? I can get rid of him for you by Monday. Do you want me to get rid of James Harden for you? As soon as possible, bag of chips. Tone, the resident Sixer fan. Do you want me to get rid of? Because I think I can help you here. I think I can help Daryl Morey out. Okay? Is Morey isn't giving him away. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm going to force his hand. Me. See what my guy's tone says. His bag's already on the porch. Okay. So I have a guy that knows him. And I've posted a picture, my guy, Kevin Legret, who's the president of iHeart Sports, and he knows James Harden. So I'm going to get a message to him tonight that says this, Psst, James, you want to really piss everybody on the planet in Philadelphia off? Come Monday, you'll be in a different place. You, you may be playing in the Maccab League in Israel, but you're going to be somewhere. Wear a commander's uniform Sunday in the owner's box with Josh Harris. <laughs> that city 
he's trying to get a stadium. You want the fastest way to get no votes? Have James Harden wear a, I think he's going to. If he's smart, he wears the commander's jersey on Sunday. Am I wrong? So you're at a party and you got a guy holding a sign up that Moore is a liar. He's going to go on Sunday to Lincoln Financial in a commander's uniform or better yet, a cowboy jersey. Hey, to me, the more offensive things, the cowboy jersey, if you're an Eagle fan, am I right? The commander's Hey, by the way, you haven't been threatened by the commanders since Joe Theismann played, so you're not really caring about them too much. But if he shows up in a cowboy, he's probably not going to show up in a cowboy jersey in a commander's booth with the owner. Can you imagine them going through a cutaway at Lincoln Financial and seeing, dear God, please, God, I, I, God, I love you, creator of everything creator of all content. God, I love you. I mean it with all my heart. Please put James Harden in a commander jersey on Sunday. Heavenly Father, I promise I will be a better person each and every single day, and I will not talk as much shit on Jalen Hurts come next week. I promise in God's faith. Amen. (laughs) Career suicide? (laughs) holy dude that would be the story of the game okay (laughs) hey dude everybody in philly would go crazy you think those fan bait you would go crazy don't lie to god sills i i do my best I do my best. Wow. Am I right, though? He shows up in a commander uniform, sitting with Josh Harris, and they're cheering on. What if they win, too? He's got a commando jersey on. He's sitting there, hey, go team, eating hot dogs and shit. And he's got a, he, he's, he's got a Washington lid on. He's got a commander's lid. Hey, come watch me play some basketball this this fall, man, Sixers are starting up. How you doing? Weren't you rooting against the Eagles on Sunday? Eh, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Hey, that works in San Francisco and L.A. and New York. That's not going to work in Philly, dude. You you got a loyal to the soil mentality in Philly. You ain't got that shit in New York. You know why? You got two teams. See, that's that's what separates New York and Philly. And New York and L.A., you got a 1,000 teams. Loyalties are fractured. Philly, Chicago, Buffalo, Steelers, where you got one team? No, 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 no. No, 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 He knows that. You're damn right, Yale. That's why he's going to do it. So I'll piss off the fan base, and I'll piss off the 
I'll, fi- I'll piss off the fan base and the media by doing it. It'll hey, get this. The story on Monday won't be the Eagles blowing out Washington. The story will be how Harden disrespected the entire community. <laughs> if he does that, he's getting traded to the Battle Creek Horned Frogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This guy will be playing in Maccabi. He'll be playing for that Israeli team, the Maccab guys. <laughs> be playing in China where he wants to play anyway. You know, get a better deal on his sneakers there because they make it with slave labor. So he's probably all down with that. Yeah, that's good. He wants to play in China anyway. Got to remember something. That's an out for him. Just because the Clippers don't want him, he'll go play in China. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll go play in China. Or as Trump would say, I'll play in China. He'll be playing in Calgary if I was the GM. (laughs) Wait, Calgary don't have a team. I know. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Wait a minute. Calgary don't have a team. Bingo. How you doing? You watch this guy if he shows up. See, Embiid is so oblivious to everything, man. I don't know what that guy's capable of doing. You just don't know with him. Can I tell you, am I right when I say this? Some of you will get the comparisons. When I see sometimes Joel Embiid and the shit he does, doesn't he get like a Manny Ramirez kind of like aura about him? Like, do you really think Manny knew that he was playing in Boston or L.A. or Cleveland? Or do you think it was just Manny world? Do you think Manny Ramirez really knew where he was, where he was playing? I mean, <laughs> I don't think he really cared where he was playing ever. Okay? I, Dan, hate on Calgary. I live, I'm not hating on Calgary. I just said there's no hoop team there. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Not at all, man. Canada's great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to kill to Lincoln Financial. <sighs> oh, Calgary Flames. The Calgary Stampede. The, the Calgary Stampede is a pretty cool thing, actually. Actually is, man. All right. Um. Hey, man, could you see him? I, I hope he does that. That'll be it. Hey, you think Taylor Swift sitting in the box was a big story? Hey, Yale, right? Taylor Swift was a big story sitting in the Kansas City box at Arrowhead, right? James Harden sitting in the owner's box for the Commanders in a tight game in the NFC East with James Harden from the Sixers wearing a commander lid and jersey, you might think that that's a little bit nutty. And you might think that that's a pretty good story. Woo! <laughs> Dude. Most, it'd be the most viewed and talked about game, maybe in NFL history. Because you'd have crossover with NBA fans, 
Philly fans going psycho. Psycho. Dude, can you imagine what the headlines would be? Judas in the box. <laughs> His name would be James Judas or Judas Harden. That's that's his new name. Is Judas Harden. It's not James Harden. Am I right, Tone? If he's if he's sitting in that box with that uniform, his new name come Monday's Judas Harden. Okay. <laughs> oh man, please everything in your power on Sunday to make that happen. Does he get along with Harris? Is that the point? He wants to get the hell out of there. Oh. He's already untradeable. Then you send him to China. All right. Let me get to to my top 10. Philadelphia... Eagles, so far after three weeks of play as we go into the final month of the season for the first month in the first quarter quarter poll of the season, I'm willing to strap James Harden and send him to the moon. Ooh, man. They got a league up there? Going to have to ask uh, Elon Musk. Pretty soon, SpaceX is going to have uh, commander astronaut Judas Harden commanding the new shuttle to uh on the SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I didn't know Judas Harden played in the Canadian League. I didn't know he was in the NHL. He plays for the he plays for the Calgary Flames. I didn't know that. Now see, there's another thing too. It's Joe. Taylor Swift, I saw her in Eagle gear. Now she's hanging out in Kansas City gear. I mean, you can't be a Kansas City chief. See, that's the one thing you can't be. If You you see, this is why I'm Switzerland here. I don't really root for any team. I root for fan bases. I told you that. That's kind of what I am. I like fan bases. I like talking sports with fan bases. Sports teams, they're the widget. The passion of the fans is what I'm attracted to. That's why I like talking in certain places and not talking in certain places. San Diego is the worst sports market on the planet. Okay? Really, it's it, it, L.A. too. Horrible. It's horrible sports talk. 004 ratings across the board nowadays. It's just, it's terrible. The, the, the sports, you know where the sports stations are because of the sports fans, not just the teams. I don't hate San Diego. I love it. I said it's the worst. Look at how Quan took that where I said I hated San Diego. I said it's the worst sports talk city in America. I didn't say it was the worst city in America. Where did you hear that? Where in the world did you hear that? Where did you hear that? I don't hate San Diego. I love it. Absolutely not. 
it's the worst sports talk city in the country. What did you what did you add into that? See, Quan likes to add those little addendums in to make it sound as again, he's a guy that likes to have people fit his narrative. I never said that. I never said I hated San Diego. But he said I did. When? Dude, I don't know who lies more, you or Biden. All right. Let's get to my top 10. My top 10. Performances by a Philadelphia Eagle. You know what? Give me some of your top performers. So far, I can't wait to see this list. Who have been your top performers so far for the Eagles? Swift, Davis, Carter. <laughs> Hurts? Well, he ain't. Jalen Hurts is not in my top 10. That's not happening. Jeremy, Philadelphia is one of the greatest sports talk cities in America. It's a privilege to talk sports in the city. It's tremendous. It doesn't matter who the hosts are. You guys make the host. Seriously, it doesn't matter who's on with me, IP, Fanatic, anywhere. It's, it's the fan base. It's the best sports talk city in the country. Okay? It's, it, I don't think it's close. Here, here, here's, before I get to that, here are my five best sports talk cities in America. Five best sports talk cities in America. I would say the five best sports talk cities in America. Thank you very much, Pete. I forgot that. I'm going to put that right there. And I happen to have spoken in that city. Um, I would say New York, five, Boston, four, San Francisco, three, Chicago, two, and Philly, one. I've spoken in Boston, San Francisco, and three of the five. I've had a show in those markets. Boston's a great sports talk city. Okay, it's great. Great sports talk city. All right, let me go. Here are my five best performances so, by, so far by Philadelphia Eagle. Number 10. 
I don't really believe he played well in game one. I think he's played well two and three. I've got left offensive tackle. Jordan Mulata as my 10th best performer so far for the Philadelphia Eagles. Number nine, I think you're going to be a little surprised. Big Sills, can we get a, how you doing? (laughs) I think you're going to be surprised. Okay? Number nine, I thought the guy would be out of gas a little bit. I think Darius Slay's been all right. I got him nine. Hey, hey, Tom, wouldn't you agree? Darius has looked, he's looked good. Blanket ship not, or um, blanket ship being out, Bradbury being out. They kind of, you know, Jefferson got a lot, but you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't deadly a lot. I think Darius Slay's been okay. Okay, I do. Yeah, Ray, Ray, but I think he's, but I think he's been effective. I know, thirty first and past even. They they were good last week too. Number eight, old dog, keep kicking. I got Fletcher Cox here, man. Fletcher's played really good ball. Hey, Fletcher's, I think Fletcher's played really great football. He's been good, man. Fletcher Cox has played some good ball here. Number seven. Fletcher is ranked. Number two in quarterback hits amongst defensive tackles. That's damn good, man. Old Fletcher still kicking ass. Taking names, cashing receipts. Good, man. You know, you're you're gonna probably go like this. Why would you put him ahead of Fletcher? I got Milton Williams. I think every time they've had Milton Williams go into a game, he has been completely effective. Dude, you got a football player on your team. Let me say this to you. Is is the second quarter of the schedule for Slay? That it's it, that's that's true. But let me say this to you. What do you think you would get for um Milton Williams in the open market if you were to trade him? Draft choice round. What round would you get for him if you put Milton Williams on a trading block? How high a pick would you get? How high a pick do you think you'd get for him? A fifth? Not I would not me. I'm not moving him for a fifth. A fourth? No way. Third, 
that's a great pick. He's not first or second because he's a backup, but a third rounder? Where was he drafted? Mitt was drafted third round, 73rd overall. So right now you may be middle of the second. Middle of the second, third round? So let me get this right. He was drafted in the third round, and he's been sitting on the bench, and he hasn't lost value. Sitting on the bench behind all these talented guys, it shows you when he steps on the field, that guy is an asset. Dude, Milton Williams is probably the middle of the second round. He's a second-round pick. He would start on 75% of the teams in the league. He Again, he is the heir apparent to Fletcher Cox when he leaves. By the way, okay, by the way, as of right now, I'm going to offer Fletcher Cox a contract to come back. Okay? I want you to understand something about Milton Williams. Milton Williams, I'm not sure he's ever started a down in the NFL. And he was drafted in the third round and has not lost value. And his value right now is probably second or third round. That guy's a good ball player, man. How about this? Do we all agree? Andre Dillard was drafted in the first round. You think he lost value? Compared to where he was drafted? Now, I will say this. What saves him is the fact that he couldn't start in Philly's O-line. That's not a horrible thing. I know some people look at Andre Dillard and go like this. Sills, he never really was a starter in Philly. Well, is that horrible when you got Isaac Sayamalo and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mulata? Is that really that awful? Is that really that awful? See, next season, Milton will be in a contract year. I'm curious to see how, how he handles it. Well, and you know you know what will happen, okay? Howie will either deal him for a draft pick can you imagine this? You have a guy that never started it down for you. And Milt Williams. And next year's draft, when you go to try to get more assets, you trade him for a second-round pick, and he never started for you. How many players have you ever seen in Philadelphia that never started it down, that hold their value like that, and you get a second-round pick? So your backup get a number two pick? Have you ever seen that? I know quarterbacks and starters and wide receivers who, when they get – look at Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was a first-round pick. You got a seventh-rounder for him. You got a seventh-rounder. A-plus show, Sertan to San Francisco. Dolphins are a problem. They sure are, Hollywood. Milton Williams is a big-time asset for the Eagle future, for the helping of the Eagle future. Okay? What a, what a, what a great draft choice. In his three-year career, Milton has only four starting games. That's unbelievable. 
and he's graded out one of the top DTs in the league. Do you understand that? He's played a total of 885 snaps, and everyone around the National Football League has high praise for that guy. He's a good football player. He underappreciated because you have – look, he's underappreciated because you have such great talent in front of him. You have players on your roster that are I, – I, I understand what little issues with our internet here, and I, I appreciate everybody. Um, he averages 40% of the defensive snap counts played. Man, what a good football player. What a great draft choice. What a great asset to have on your roster. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous draft choice. That is a superior pick. So I get to play this guy as my backup DT. I get to draft two defensive tackles, and I got a guy that teams want, and if I have to trade him, I'll get a two for him, and he started four downs for me, four games for me. Shit. That's kicking ass. That And he's financially responsible for my salary cap, and he's 24 years old. Dude, that is quality, quality, quality drafting. That's a quality pick. And you could always make the conversation of this. Well, he's not going to start in front of Jordan Davis or Fletcher Cox or Jalen Carter. He's a starter. You could even try to pitch a one form. Think of that. You know, if you had bums in front of him, is one thing. But when you have all pros in front of him, you make a pitch and ask for a one form. Hey, give me a late first rounder, top of the second round. I'll take it. I'll take a I'll take a 31st, 30th pick. Maybe I'll combine a pick. A third. Hey, I'll give you Milton Williams and a third for the 31st pick. Would you do it? That's the kind of shit you do if you're Howie. Say you need a first round pick and you like a guy in next April's draft, and you go like this. Guy's looking for a defensive tackle. He looks at him in the draft and he goes, there's not really one better than Milton Williams. Okay, well, I'll give you a fourth-round pick and Milton Williams for that 31st pick. Would you do that? His agents are United Sports Group. Any info on these guys and how they do business? They're going to be looking for a starting position for him eventually. They're not going to have him. He's not going to stay in Philadelphia as a backup. His next contract is either going to be as a starter somewhere else, or he's going to be a starter in Philly. And most likely he's not going to be a starter in Philly. So his last contract is now in Philly. So what Howie's doing is that he's out looking now and potentially in the 25 draft teams that are going to be looking for a defensive tackle. So what you do is, Hey, what do we need? Well, next year you need a corner in the 24 draft and probably in the 25 draft, you're probably going to be looking for more offensive linemen. So then what you do is down at the bottom of the draft, depending on where you finish, you're going to look at Milton Williams in a four and go, hey, what about the 28th pick for Milton Williams? Sure. Okay. That's how you do business like that. Howie's already in the 25 draft. You understand this, right? Howie Roseman's already looking at the 25th draft, the 2025 draft. That's where he's at. I mean – like, like, like he said a couple months ago, and by the way, what people may not like what I just said, that Milton, 
you think Milton's going to want to be a backup defensive tackle? You got two 21-year-old guys. I mean, think about that. You got two. See, Keon thinks that, get this, that a guy who's 24 years old is going to want to stay in Philadelphia to be a backup where he could be a starter on 75% of the teams in the NFL. And he's going to want to be a backup for the next decade. I, I, it, 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 people who think like that have no common sense. No common sense. He'll never that, – that would mean that Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter didn't play or there was a catastrophic injury. I mean, you're going to have a 26-year-old guy defensive tackle that's going to potentially bring you a first-round pick if you package it up right. I love this pick. I like that player. Okay? There's so much value to him. Milton, Milton is going to go where he will be paid. Of course. And if he stays the course, a team will pay him good money on upside alone. Plus, the DT market has skyrocketed. Look at what Javon Hardgrave just got. Javon Hardgrave just got $20 million. This guy is one of the highest rated guys, according to Pro Football Focus. He could go in the open market, get $14 million, $13 million. You think the Eagles are going to pay him $13 million to be a backup at 26? Really? Nobody thinks like that. Nobody. Top 10 Eagle performers. 10, Jordan Malata. Number nine, Darius Slay. Number eight, Fletcher Cox. Number seven, Milton Williams. Number six, even though he was out, Seals, you piss me off sometimes, but here I am tuned in. Salute, sir. Dez, you are the perfect type of person that I love on my program. Gives me shit. Tunes in, doesn't believe everything I say, has a different opinion than me, and doesn't always agree with me, just like my guest. Don't you get it? Des, seriously, right? I treat you guys like my guest. Some of you agree. Sometimes you don't agree. Tone has the same mentality as you guys with me. Piss them off one day. Loves it another day. Piss him off someday. Loves it this day. As long as we're all engaged, it's sports talk. It's sports talk. Always remember that. Okay? Chip goes, you lie to your guest. I do. And that's why they continue to come back like Tony Dungy and The Rock. Boomer Siason, Seth, because I lie to him. <laughs> it's probably why. Warren Moon, Doug Williams, Frank Reich. Shall I continue or should I end that? Herm Edwards, because I lie to him. I hadn't heard that one before. I lie to my friends 
That's why they continue to come on. Huh. <laughs> Sills, we treat this thing like Jimmy Johnson treated cut down day at the U. Every year we fight for scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I got to tell you an Alonzo Highsmith story after we do this. Oh, man. I got Reed Blankenship at six. Reed's played great ball, man. He's played great ball. I want to see him play consistently now. Number five. Um, Man, I love this player. I totally love Josh Sweat. He is one of my favorite players you have on your football team. That dude is so good. Sets the edge. Rushes the passer. Plays the run. Great teammate. Knows his technique. Never gets... He he always plays as deep as the ball on backside plays. Never lets the counter play come back where he's cheating. He never cheats in technique. He is so fun to watch play a game. He is, I mean, his talent. And here, you know, we just got through talking about Milton Williams. Milton Williams is a really good player. Like, I'll tell you this, the way Milton Williams is talent, if he were to go in today's NFL draft, he'd be a first rounder. Josh Sweat is a first rounder, but teams were scared of the knee. You got a you got two first rounders in the fourth and third. You get that, right? People don't point this out to you. Sweat is a first round talent. Milton Williams. Who do you think is a better ball player, Mozzie Smith or Josh Sweat? Who's a better ball player? I mean, dude, Josh Sweat, what, did he go in the fourth? Was he a fourth or fifth round guy? Dude, he's a... <laughs> okay. Number four. Let me ask you something here. Not, not throwing shade on Devontae. I got Devontae four. I love the player. If you had to do it all over again, would you rather want Michael Parsons or Devontae Smith? Just asking. It, it's, it's a hindsight conversation, so it's not a knee-deep end to it. I'm not, I'm not. Because Devontae is a really great ball player. Come on, guys. Smitty over Micah Parsons. You would take Smitty over Micah Parsons. Really? Come on. See, what Quan just said, I didn't think. I didn't. Hey, Quan, I'll say this to you. I never saw Quan the Micah that we see in the NFL at Penn State. I didn't see that either. I didn't – I think that's got a lot to do with Dan Quinn. Okay? I think that's got a lot to do with Dan Quinn and what they did with him. 
Hey, but Tone, don't you agree? I, I, I get you. But I, they kind of fell into who Michael Parsons is after their end got hurt. Remember, they said it. They go, we had to get a pass rush going, so we put his hand in the dirt. All of a sudden, we realized he could rush the passer. They, they, I never saw this when he was at Penn State. Yeah, they didn't draft Micah to do what he's doing. That's right. He, they, he's like, I mean, if you were, if he was doing, if you saw this in Penn State and Mario Diaz or Manny Diaz was doing this at Penn State with him, he would have been, he, he may have gone higher in the draft. And remember something, Dallas didn't want him. Who did they want? They wanted the Bronco safety. Remember, they wanted they wanted uh, Patrick Sertain. They didn't even want the kid. And, and that kind of fell to him. So it wasn't like Dallas went, well, we knew all the time. Right. They wanted the kid J.C. Horn or, or, or Sertain because they were doing this. And now, you know, everyone Dallas is like, yeah, look at Jerry here. Drafted Michael. But no, no, no. You didn't know what you had because you didn't want him. You threw a bitch. You even made a trade with your public enemy number one in the NFC East, the Eagles. That's how the Eagles got Devontae. I wonder, I wonder, hey, you know what? I wonder if Howie would have passed on Micah if the pick had stayed the same. Two teams have laid the blueprint on how to handle him. If more teams do it, he won't be as dominant. That's what I say, run at him. You couldn't run at Lawrence Taylor. You couldn't do anything to him. Okay? You, you couldn't do anything to him. I got Devontae Smith, tremendous power, uh, route runner, just a great football player. He's getting better and better. Even when he let – me, let me say this to you. He's kind of – you know what? You guys may not get the comparison here, but he reminds me of Steph Curry. Why would I say that? Why would I say that Devontae Smith reminds me of Steph Curry? Why would I say that, you think? Why would I say he reminds me of Steph Curry? What's one of the greatest things that Steph Curry does that he doesn't get enough credit for? When he is off the ball and the way he moves around and how he runs his opponent into the dirt without the ball is what makes that guy one of the most difficult covers on the planet. Am I right? His off-the-ball movement and how he moves. Am I right, Tone? His off-the-ball movement. And running around and running the opponent through the through the defense and how he runs through picks and shit doesn't get enough love. It's why he's so wide open all the time. It's because he is in condition. He's constantly moving like that. And his ability to move without the basketball is unbelievably the best I've ever seen. Maybe Allen Iverson. It's like an Iverson ability because Iverson was great off the ball because Smitty does not care about the guy. He wants everyone around him to be successful. He's willing to fight and play regardless if he touches it or not. But see, that's what Steph Curry does by getting other guys open by moving around without the ball. Like if it's not play side to him, 
He makes it look like the play's coming to him no matter what. A.J. doesn't do a good job of that. That's one of the flaws that A.J. Brown has. It's not a good a good quality in his game. That's why sometimes you see on picks, he looks like he's not trying. You're never going to see that with Devontae. Devontae's going to fight for everything. Okay? He's completely going to fight for everything. Like Randy Moss did that shit. Randy Moss would take the playoff. And you knew when the play wasn't coming that side. So what would you do? You cheat your defense and slide it over. It's it's a selfish player. And, and, and Smitty, Smitty again. Okay, great. Number three, I got Jordan Davis. It's been a renaissance year for him. Really has. Um. You know, we said something at the beginning of the year. I wonder if he was comfortable in that backup role last year. I like Marvin Harris in comparison. He's nasty on the sidelines. That is totally the comparison. I wonder if he was comfortable being a sub. Now he's the starter. He's back in his comfortable role. And I also think the greatest thing ever happened to him was Jordan Davis being drafted. So Cam wants me to comp- wants me to admit that I'm completely wrong. I'm not wrong. We'll find out and see how he plays by the end of the year. Great start. Once again, like you're doing it with Hurts. Trying to tell me he's an elite tackle right now. We'll see. Last year he was injured. We'll see if he gets through the season. You don't get credit for only filling out 75% of the test. What a dope. Number two, I got DeAndre Swift. Um, here, here, Here's what really, and this kind of went to what Joe Theismann said um, a couple uh, uh, minutes ago. So it's situational play. Do you know, maybe you didn't like, you know, think that that was a big deal. You know the problem with the Eagle offense, according to Joe, right now? It's situational play calling. That's what Joe thinks the problem is. It's situational play calling. I'm going to take it from an MVP quarterback that said that. Situational play calling. And then on top of that, you don't activate DeAndre Swift in week one. Why? And then and then you hear them trying to cover their tracks by going, and you hear the coaches go, well, we're not adverse to start someone else. Why would you start someone else who has 300 yards in two weeks? Um, Robert goes, explain, please. Situational play calling is a guy who has a great feel for the game and knows the plays to call in certain situations, third and two, third and three. He's got a better feel for the game than the other guy. Some guys could take the same playbook and not have a feel for the game, and some guys can have the same playbook and have a total feel for the game. That's what he's saying about Brian Johnson and Shane Steichen. That's his assessment on when you change play callers. He said it. One time, you can have the same playbook and completely a different result. 
Joe Theismann thinks it's situational play calling. I think that makes sense. So some of you were right. He is putting the emphasis on Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson right now doesn't have a feel for the game. That's what Joe Theismann's saying. Or better yet, I don't know if it's a feel for the game, a feel with Jalen in the game. Is that fair? That's that's how I heard the comment. Is that Brian Johnson is kind of not feeling it. And maybe that's why Hurts is apprehensive. And it's affecting the entire approach in the passing game. I got Jalen Carter, number one. He's been a force. I'm kind of shocked. Hey, did anybody see? I I saw um, Christian Gonzalez was the defensive rookie of the month. Is that just for the AFC? Who was the NFC defensive rookie of the month? Was it Jalen Carter? Um, I mean, I I thought they did it by conferences. I I know that McCaffrey got the um, offensive player of the month. Who was the defensive rookie of the month defensively um, for the NFC? I, I, I mean, I just saw defensive player of the month, Christian Gonzalez. No, it's month. They, they have the month awards out now. No, it's the month. They came out with the month. Um, so, Jordan Mulata, 10. Slay, nine. Fletcher Cox, eight. Milton Williams, seven. Reed Blankenship, six. Josh Sweat, five. Devontae Smith, four. Jordan Davis, three. DeAndre Swift, two. And Jalen Carter, one. Those are the Eagle best 10 performers so far that I've seen after the first three. Um. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to know who the player of the month was because Parsons was the NFC player defensively of the month. They have a rookie defensive player. Christian Gonzalez, I guess, is for both. Okay. I-, I-, I guess he's for the both. Okay. Hey, hit the like button. Please keep it here on the National Football Show. We'll talk about tonight's game with the Lions and Packers. We'll do that next. Keep it here on the National Football Show. and Hooters, the perfect pair.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Russell Wilson, how much damage can Sean Payton do to this guy's chances of being a Hall of Famer? Um, is it possible that he has had self-inflicted wounds where you would look at him now as – how many people – hey, let me ask the question though first. Do you think Russell Wilson is a Hall of Famer? I still do. I look at Russell Wilson and I go like this. I go, is he Steve Young? No. But is he kind of like him? Yeah. Um, a lot of touchdown passes. You know, he has ne- – you want to hear something crazy? Do you know Russell Wilson has never received one vote for MVP? Do you find that hard to believe? He has never received one vote from any voter for the league's most valuable player. That's a good point. So he's never received a vote for the MVP. And Joe Theismann's an MVP. Boomer Sison is an MVP. And that guy's never received a vote. Like a vote. Would you have a hard time putting him in? 
So he wasn't really the best quarterback in his era. Was he one of the top five guys in his era? Like when you look at the quarterbacks in his era, Manning, Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Eli, is he better than Eli? Is it, do, do you, hey, if you had to win a Super Bowl, would you want Russell Wilson or Eli Manning? If I had to win a Super Bowl, would you take Eli Manning or Russell Wilson? I think I'd take Eli too. If I had to pick a guy to win a Super Bowl, would I take Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? I think those guys are, no. Rodgers is a four-time MVP. He's got more MVPs than Brady. It's a great point. Who was Wilson's Percy Harvin? Right? I mean, he didn't really have a ton of people throwing the ball to in his day. I get it. I mean, who was Brady throwing the ball to, though, in his Super Bowl time? All the Super Bowls he won, who was he throwing to? Edelman and Amendola? Walker? This guy's not one of those guys who see the Hall of Fame. All right. Who do you like tonight, real quick? Lions or Packers? It's in Green Bay at Lambeau. Um, 28-21, Lions beat the Packers tonight. I got the Lions. I got the Lions tonight. I got the Lions. 28-21. Who do you got, Tone? I like Packers 24-21, low-scoring kind of game, 45. Should be an interesting ball. It, it should tell us a lot. Way to start off with a great rivalry, a truly old NFC Central Division game. Now it's the North, but it used to be the old Central Division. I played in the Central Division, the Black and Blue Division, they used to call it. So I'm looking forward to it. By the way, um, I did have – a cup of coffee with the Lions, so I'm going Lions tonight, 28-21. All good. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Joe, Xander, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Tone is my man. Thank you so much, my man. You are absolutely killing it, and you just keep killing it, man. I couldn't do the show without you. Thank you so much. Love your family too, man. Everything that you guys do for us, all good. We will catch you tomorrow, 3 to 6, and we shall see you on the flip side. Hooters, the perfect pair. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.